Welcome to The 100 Podcast. Zen Charlie here with you. Hope you're well. Today, we're continuing our 100 redraft series. Basically, what we're doing is we're redrafting The 100 entirely from scratch. We've got eight general managers redrafting every single team. They get to choose their two local icons, and then it's a complete free-for-all. Today, we're joined by the GM of the Southern Brave, Nakul Pandey, who was second in the draft order. Nakul, how are you doing? Good, thank you, Ed. Hi, Ed and Charlie. How are you guys doing? Very well, mate. Very well. Thank you for Very your time. Good. Very good. So, when you take on a challenge like this, you, you watch a lot of cricket. Do you come into this with a philosophy, a plan? Did you enter this thinking, I want my team to be a certain way? Because you are, I would argue, trying to follow in the footsteps of one of the most complete franchise cricket teams of all time. If you look at what the Southern Brave were and the players they had in that squad and the talent they had, it's quite a tough act to follow. Yeah, this was a tricky one in a sense because this wasn't a team, as you say, that had obvious holes or obvious issues in their recruitment or in their uh, playing philosophy where some of the other teams clearly did um, or that some other T20 teams around the world do I, I do watch a lot of T20 cricket, particularly the IPL, um, where obviously the recruitment model is very different. Uh, I've watched a bit of C, uh, I've covered some CPL in my time as well, and um, where where you do see teams that you wonder how have you ended up with this combination of players, or how have you ended up with this as your set of options? Um, so with a with the way that the the 100 draft works is that you don't have it's not quite as complicated as some of the other recruitment mechanisms you can only you can kind of worry a little bit more about who you want rather than who you think other teams might get so with that in mind i tried to cut out some of the noise and and yeah i did have a, a clear idea of how i'd want a t20 team to play in ideal circumstances which is aggressively so um I don't think you, if you've got good enough attacking batters, I don't think you really need an anchor unless you can get Virat Kohli, basically. I don't think it's really worth the the, the option, or Mohamed Rizwan. Uh, I don't mm. really think it's worth the um, the option. They've got to be exceptionally good to, to make that work. I like high pace at all, part, all uh, periods of the innings. Now, obviously, your fast bowlers have to be able to do something other than bowl fast, but I like that option of of high pace, hard lengths, and obviously, a T twenty wrist spinner is pretty much essential, if not two. Um, the only thing that I think that I'm significantly missing is a properly high class finger spinner. Um, but I was pretty happy with how my team ended up, and that I was able to to end up with a squad that pretty much fit what I wanted it to be going in. Hmm. So let's start with your local icon picks then, because this is basically the, the beginning for you. Obviously, you've got 15 clear picks in. You, you get your two local icons in. You had the choice of you know a fantastic region. There's a load of talent. Uh, Tymel Mills, James Vince, George Garton. Uh, Chris Jordan moved to Surrey. He went to the Open Invincibles. He wasn't there. But you've got loads of talent in this pool. You went with Vince and Mills in the round three and four range. That's the A to K bracket. Tell me, why go for Vince and Mills? And why, you know, go away from a younger talent like maybe a George Garton? I love George Garton. I think he's a fantastic p- prospect. I was I'm glad to see him playing for England now. 
Um, you know, he got hit around towards the end, but that was a pretty ridiculous innings from Robin Powell. And the ball that he got Shea Hope with um, uh, was an absolute cracker uh, uh, to, to start the innings. I think there's a real talent there. But I wanted, if with, with a local icon pick, I wanted to pick players who I know can do a job, who I don't have to worry about, and ideally a bit of balance. Um, so James Vincent and Tamal Mills were the obvious candidates. Mills was the obvious candidate for me as a bowler, Mills and Archer and Anrich Nokia to me, the three outstanding fast bowlers mm. in T20 cricket. Um, and I wanted to get at least two of them. The other option, the other reason for going for icon players in not the top bracket is to free up one of the top brackets uh, players. Um, so I wanted that slot open to me, uh, whether um, to go for, uh, again, a player who can win, win games by themselves uh, and uh, and to be honest, a little bit of taking inspiration from real life there as well. Obviously, with, with Mills and Vince, um, both um, both in the real Southern Brave uh, team. So there was a there was a fairly obvious uh, call there. It also meant that if I didn't end up with um, with a captaincy option in the draft for whatever reason, uh, could give James Vince the armband and would absolutely be absolutely fine. Mm. Uh, but when you when you have the option of uh, of players of of those of that class, um, then they who you don't have to do an awful lot of thinking about. Um, I think why not take it? Yeah, I think it's very difficult to go wrong when you have that amount of talent there, uh, and obviously the Southern Brave picked up a lot of these players in very low price brackets. Tolan Mills in round eight, George Garner in round 10. You are facing the consequences of people actually starting to realise that they're very good players and uh, no one is quite as stupid as the other 100 franchises Cleveland in 2019. Let's start with your top two picks then. You had the second pick in the draft. I imagine Rashid Khan would have been your first pick. He's off the board. You go with Glenn Maxwell. Uh, and then in the second round, you make Charlie Peters very happy by taking Intent King and New England T20 finisher, Phil Salt. Yeah, and actually looking at my 11, there's absolutely no reason that Salt couldn't be that that finisher role if you wanted to open with George Munsey uh, alongside Evan Lewis. Um, but but I was picking Phil Salt as a keeper and opener uh, at the time, primarily precisely to, to try and go hard from ball one. Um, when you're batting ahead of an aggressive middle order like that, again, I don't think there's a great deal of reason to uh, to not. So Phil Salt's type, the type of player that he is, fits really well into into what I was hoping my team would be. Uh, and and Glenn Maxwell, possible captaincy option, um, filled a fingerspin hole and is a player I'm always well disposed to. Um, I for Gorilla Cricket, I got to commentate on him hitting the winning runs in a World Cup. Uh, which which made me very, very happy, even more so with a reverse sweep. He's one of my favourite players in world cricket. He's one of the most watchable players in world cricket. And he can win you a T20 game by himself. Uh, so once Rashid Khan had gone, obviously there's a lot of other talent in that bracket, but but getting Glenn Maxwell on board um, as, a, as a middle order hitter was kind of a no-brainer, particularly playing half the home games at the Aegeus Bowl, where a lot of teams will bowl spin because of the large boundaries. Yeah, I think there are two things here that I really, really like. The first of which is you've got a lot of versatility out of these two picks of Maxwell. He is 
you know, pretty much a general rounder. As we've seen, he can open the batting, he can bat in the middle, hit the spin really well. And as you say, he can bowl really useful finger spin as well. Philip Salt, traditionally an opener, but as we've seen, he can come at number six, do a really good job as a death hitter, and he can keep as well. So what you've got there are two highly versatile, very useful players who will represent a lot of value for you. So from my perspective, he's done really well with these people. Also, also, I mean, there was another uh, consideration throughout this, bombs on seats. Uh, um, (laughs) If... you want to be fun. You want to you want to get people on board. You want to have a clear team identity that you can sell to people. And there was a little bit of taking inspiration from the IPL there. I um, the the Delhi Capitals rebrand was built on making a team that's fun to watch. When they really they hadn't just been bad; they'd been boring for the last few years. Mm. And I was in India for a little bit during their first season, and I saw again they ended up losing quite quite comfortably to the Sunrisers Hyderabad at home, but. The rebrand had worked. The people of Delhi had really got on side with the team. And it's through having a combination of young players uh, and uh, exciting, aggressive players that I thought that then somewhere in that, that kind of stick stuck in my head of um, building a clear team identity and communicating that to the, to the fans. And there's not many better than getting the fans on side immediately than Glenn Maxwell. I think when I think about the Delhi franchise, I don't know if you remember the horrific year they had under the captaincy of Kevin Peterson, where they went with a five bowler strategy where the fifth bowler was JP Dumini, who was their most economical bowler of the entire season. I think they had three medium fast bowlers, Siddharth Kaul before he had that good spell where he started playing for India and did well for the Sunrise Hyderabad, playing in that team when he was quite young and was a half a yard, even a yard shorter pace. They were pretty tough to watch and it's pretty tough to see your, how they could win a game. But when you have elite players like Maxwell and Salt and Vince and Mills, even if you don't have the strongest squad, there is an avenue for you winning games. There's an avenue for you providing entertainment. And when you have that elite talent, I think it's very tough to see a situation where you are stuck and everyone's like, you're no hopers. Yeah, I mean, the, the other reason, obviously, for Maxwell is is that middle-order option. It's very easy to pack the side with a lot of top-order players hmm. and end up either having to leave a few on the bench or go for the Gujarat Lions approach of trying to play five openers in the same eleven. Um, which uh, really didn't work uh, and ended up uh, looking kind of ridiculous. So having having someone who can who can take the pressure off the openers, who can allow the aggressive openers to play aggressively. Um, uh, uh, this is again taking inspiration from real life teams in the same way that Glenn Maxwell completely freed up Baby De Villiers uh, mm. and and allowed Herat Coley to be a little bit more aggressive at the top of the RCB order. Um, that was that was a, a key thing for me of not having the side too top heavy. Mm. And it's interesting you talk about versatility because we, we, you have more opening options. You have a few guys who can play up there, but you also have some middle order options. So let's go to round five and six, where I think that becomes clearer. Obviously, in round five, you said you wanted a, uh, a wrist spinner. You've got your wrist spinner in Imran Tahir. Obviously, an older guy, but you, we saw what he did with the Phoenix this year. He's an elite competitor, fantastic cricketer. He's around five pick. And then round six, bit of a surprise, if I may say so. George Muncy, fantastic cricketer, can play in the middle and the top order. Might be a little bit nosebleed territory, potentially, for someone like Muncy. So explain why you felt he was he was the right way to go. I'd really like to see George Monzi as not the person carrying the hopes of the team. Mm. Obviously playing in 
playing as a top player or one of the top players in an associate nation, even a very decent one like Scotland, you do have a lot on you. Um, but in a team with proven winners and proven elite players around him, I think watching a freed up George Munsey would be a lot of fun. This was also a home pick, frankly, for the fact that it's the Aegeus Bowl, for the fact that teams are going to have to ball up and play two or three spinners. And George Munsey is a fantastic hitter of spin at any stage of the innings. Um, and there's a little bit of my sort of cricket political leanings going in there. I'm, I'm not ab- above introducing a little element of subjectivity to uh, to my pick, particularly given that, um, you know, we didn't all have a huge amount of data available uh, to us uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, the top level data that an actual analyst would have. Um, you know, I, I can't afford a quick subscription uh, on, on a freelancer's salary, uh, for example. Uh, but but there's a, I, I do think that there's a lot of value to be gained from top associate cricketers and top cricketers in even, um, quote-unquote, lower-tier test nations or poorer test nations, frankly. And I think it's an overlooked area. Uh, and George Munsey, I, I did have him in my in my middle order which is not a role he used to play for scotland but he can he can float up and down the order depending on what kind of rough team composition you think the opposition are going to have um maybe at home he bats up the top order when you might see a lot of spin in the power play or uh in the first few overs um less so uh, on on smaller grounds maybe edgbaston and playing the phoenix maybe he he comes down into the middle order but uh, and frankly, the fact that he can sweep and reverse sweep equally as well basically takes the matchups out of the equation completely. Um, the spin matchups in terms of the spin direction doesn't really matter when you're bowling at, at George Munsey. So just just the idea of having him freed up and not having to worry about having to stay in, not that he does particularly anyway uh, for, for Scotland, but not having to worry about staying in because he's, uh, because he's the, the, your team's best player is a really, really exciting prospect. I have to say, I do love your reasoning behind that. My one point of contention might be that I think you drafted him a little bit earlier than you had to. I do think you could have got him at a slightly lower, uh, slightly lower price bracket. If you look at, I mean, Callum McLeod is probably the interesting example. Uh, Ola Vinsports picked him up in the very last round, round fourteen, and I, I, I can't help but wonder if Munsey would have might. I, I can't help but wonder if Munsey would have been available at the same time, or certainly not too much earlier. But I do love your reasonings. I think he's a really useful player. And he's left-handed as well, which is quite rare. There's not that many top-quality left-handers in the domestic game. So I love your reasoning. Just think maybe a bit early, but that's just me. Yeah, and I think I so I went through some of the players that I wanted because I, I was interested in Muncie, and I put a round 11 prediction on him. I thought he'd go a bit lower, though I thought he'd go. But then again, look, you're looking at a rare skill set, and you're going for a guy like George Muncie who can attack spin in different ways and can be a matchup option. You know, if he comes off and he fits the ground you're playing at, and there's really a difference to make a few, there's never, you know, there's never an early enough pick. So, completely get it. George Munty, by the way, um, uh, trialed for Leicestershire, um, played a couple of 50 over games, and didn't get a deal. So, uh, we are to blame for him not playing enough counter cricket. And there are a few, you know, another option who could have been that Glenn Phillips had already gone, Sam Billings had already gone. There were a few of my other uh, potential picks in that role who had already gone, um, mm. and. I, I'm not. I wasn't particularly bothered about uh, about spending a little bit more than than others might have done on on George Munsey. 
Mm. Round seven and round eight, Evan Lewis is your third overseas player, um, the West Indian opener, and then you've got Matt Critchley in round eight. Evan Lewis, you you didn't go – you had your top two picks. You didn't go to overseas. You went with Max, well, then you went with Sol, um, and then you went and got Muncy before getting your uh, your third overseas. Evan Lewis in round seven, why did you think of – going domestic open like Sol or domestic battle like Sol early on and then waiting for an Evan Lewis. What is it that you see in him that makes you value him and, you know, why you think he's such a good value slightly later on in the draft? I was frankly astonished that he was still available, to be honest, when it came to, uh, to, to round seven. I think he hadn't yet or had just had a very good CPL, but that's not a tournament that is quite as high a profile here. Hmm. He hadn't yet had uh, the start to the IPL that he had had, if I remember the timing of the auction, right? So I think he was, and he was coming off some injuries as well. So he was a little bit um, out of sight, out of mind, um, a little bit at the time. Hadn't been playing a huge amount for the uh, for the West Indies. And he is a player who can demolish an attack. Uh, he he can take the, the fact that the Aegeus Bowl is a bit bigger at the equation um, in, in terms of how he's, in terms of his hitting power. And... Um, I've done a little bit of commentary work with uh, with some players who've played with him, and uh, I think it was Rafi Papara actually who said he was his teammate at St Kitts and Nevis Patriots, and he said that on form he's the best T Twenty opener in the world. And I don't think that's that far wrong. You can quibble exactly about about a few other uh, picks, but um, in terms of being an aggressive opener who can hit and keep hitting and keep accelerating, um, Lewis in that bracket. Once I realised he was available and no one had got him, was a bit of a no brainer. Plus, left yeah, I, I, of course, and I think what this pick really highlights is how much value you can get by holding off on your overseas picks just for a little bit, because there is so much value to be found. There are so many high-class players you can pick up later on. I think, of course, if there's a really, really high-quality marquee player, by all means, go in early for them. But what you've done is waited that bit longer, allowed yourself the time to pick up some high-quality domestic options that might not have been available had you gone earlier for your overseas pick. And then what you've been able to do is pick up Evan Lewis, who undoubtedly is a very high-class player. So from that point of view, I think the strategy is bang on. You could, of course, have waited right to the end of the draft and used your two final picks on overseas, but let's not get into that. Uh, Matt Critchley, interesting, I think. He's a leg spinner who can bat in the middle order. I don't know. Maybe this is harsh. I think he might be seen in some parts as a bit bit party, as a bit kind of a not quite the perfect fifth bowler, not quite the middle order batter you want, but he's a wrist spinner. Why Critchley? What does he bring to your side? Second wrist spin option, definitely. Um, don't want to lump completely on, on Imran Tahir. Um, having someone who can... Okay, he's batting at eight in my kind of lineup that I've got, but I think it's important to have a little bit of batting depth just so you have that little bit of... Even if it's only psychological insurance of the of the top order, just being able to consistently go hard. I want the I don't want too much of a slowdown. I don't want too much of a of a consolidation period in terms of a in terms of a team approach. And I think Matt Critchley is a very very exciting cricketer um, in terms of his in terms of his skill set. I don't know if he's going to play in international T Twenty cricket for for England, but I can certainly see him. Uh, having a decent season and then becoming a, a feature of. Uh, of certainly second tier uh, kind of T uh, Twenty leagues, PSL, but Bangladesh Premier League, LPL, uh, and other and other leagues like that, because uh, 
there even even now there aren't all that many wrist spinners who could genuinely bat in in a in a weaker who, who you could see in a, in a slightly weaker top six at number six and not think it was completely outlandish um and and again i think the the ability to be a little bit left field when you've all when i had already got some proven gun players was something that was quite uh attractive to me interesting pick i ended up taking calvin harrison who i think is in a similar mold i, I personally slightly prefer harrison but what they do give you is a proper wrist spin option some batting depth and you don't get many players like that so i can 100 percent see why you went with critchley at round nine and round ten two players on very different ends of their career you've got ravi bapara in round nine and then you've gone with Brandon Glover, who was in the Oval Invincibles um, squad for the 100, didn't see any playing time. He's a young Dutch lad, bowls proper quick. Tell me about Glover, because that, that pick really interests me, because he's not got a fantastic record yet, but he's got loads of potential. So, so why the Glover pick? What do you love about him? Yeah, it, it, there is there is that exciting pick. I mean, probably the you know the Dutch seamer who has had a little bit, who's a little bit further ahead is Fred Klaassen, uh, the who. But uh, Glover's the fact that he is genuinely quick uh, and can keep that pace up once uh, once Archer and, and and Mills are having to uh, having having to rest. It means you can bowl high pace as a potential option in some of the easier overs or some of the easier spells uh, a little bit. It, and if he has a great if he has a great day, by all means keep him on for the ten. Um, or if uh, you know Archer gets called up, or, so, or for for England, for example, um, in this kind of fantasy hundred that we're playing, he's an option who can bowl at at high pace. Um, and he, he's going to spray it around every now and again, but uh, but that's that's all part of it. That's going to happen in 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 short form cricket. I'm fully accepting there's a bit of a wild card and a little bit of variance with with Brandon Glover, but I think manage right and in. Again, a little bit like Monzi, uh, when he's not carrying quite so much responsibility uh, and has really top quality players around him, particularly ones in his skill set, I think he's one who can really thrive um, in in an, in an attacking aggressive team and given given a lot of confidence. Um, this was we certainly did this before the T20, the Men's T20 World Cup, when the Netherlands used him in a bizarre manner in a very very weird campaign. Uh, for him and, and people who follow Dutch cricket regularly were very confused that he didn't uh, that he didn't get more use against against players who aren't um, against some of the teams who don't like high pace so much. He's he's a great middle overs high pace option against some of the against some of the hitters who are um, who prefer the ball pitched up to them basically. And Rohit Papara is a little bit almost of an assistant coach on field. I mean he's not. Um, he's by no means at the end of his uh, end of his career. I think he's still got a lot of use out of him. He can float up and down the batting order. He can bowl you a little bit of uh, of medium pace, and he's I think the one sort of medium pace option that I've got in my in my starting uh, eleven. Um, he is a player who you don't have to manage too much because he knows his game so well by now. Uh, he's he's batted up the order. He's batted down the order. He's he's won stuff uh, and. I think that Rahubapari is one of those players who, unlike, for example, Munzee, unlike, for example, Critchley, unlike, unlike Brandon Glover, is, uh, or even to a, to a lesser extent, even though he's a top quality player, but like Maxwell, who you really don't have to spend a lot of time managing and can, um, 
can fit into pretty much any any dressing room and any and any role. He's probably not at this stage of his career going to be a a superstar for anybody, but he will he will do the role that you ask of him, and he's got enough experience of it to do it um, very well. Full disclosure: I do know him a little bit. I've commentated with him a little bit, um, and so I've had a little bit more opportunity to kind of pick his cricketing brain on a on a number of matters. But he he just he completely gets short form cricket. Um, so having having that little bit of intangible there, as well as his very tangible, um, pretty much anywhere in the order batting and 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 bowling skills, uh, was an attractive proposition, particularly for forty k. Yeah, for sure. Ravi at 40k is good value. I think it's probably fair to say that he's declining and he's at the end of his career much more than the beginning of his career. But what he does have is a proven track record of winning matches and he's undoubtedly a useful player. I think if you give him that role, then, you know, and you define that role for him, he's very good at doing that. Similarly enough, actually, to Matt Critchley, I think you've got two very handy role players there. Um Glover, on the other hand, at the complete opposite end of the spectrum to Bapara. What I like about the Glover pick is that you've gone for high potential. You've gone for a player with a really high ceiling. You mentioned Fred Clarsen, actually, and maybe he's done slightly better uh, in the domestic game in England so far than Glover. But I think it's also fair to say that Glover is a player with a much higher ceiling than Clarsen, I think. That raw pace that he has means that he's probably got the potential to go that bit further. So I think with Glover, you've got a player who might not necessarily... Uh, get into a starting 11 but if he does come in he's going to pick up a valuable experience and a few years down the line when you're retaining this squad you've got someone who very potentially could become high class and, and I, you mentioned role players and that's obviously that's also important i i want clear role definition for those for, for everyone in the, in the team but particularly the less experienced players uh, and i think those 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 players rather than excuse me trying to where i where i had some names in mind and i had some uh for for the top for the for the for the big for the hitters for the wrist spinners for the for the lead off fast bowlers, um, it was more a kind of player profile that I was thinking of rather than names I necessarily know or names that um, that are particularly um, known to fans or quote unquote marketable. Um, and you know I don't know if the, if, uh, if the Critchley and Bapara and Glover picks would stand up to um, to a strict uh, analytical uh, look. But they are the kind of players who, given clear roles and given uh, and assuming that you don't uh, end up going going too hard on them, in in terms of leaving yourself with with um, and, and leave yourself something in in the auction, I think are, are very very valuable. They're the kind of players who I would have a an idea of of how much I'd want to spend on them, and I'm pretty happy with all of them at those prices. My takeaway from this is that analytics are for nerds and cricket is for real men. Um, oh, no, I'd have I, absolutely, like, I would have absolutely done the analytics if I'd had access to it. Don't worry about that. I think I think my real takeaway from this is I love the, the Glover pick because I think, the, and you're following the Southern Brave, what they did, George Gardner not played T20 cricket for, I think, 18 months at the point that the Southern Brave took him in round 10. Bowl nine to mile an hour, though, is a great prospect. And... and Maybe Brandon Glover doesn't work out. Maybe he's expensive this year and he doesn't develop. I don't think it matters because you've put the pick out there and if it comes off, you, you're getting such a high upside pick. If it doesn't, we go again. And also so if I it really doesn't, I've that. got if it doesn't, I've got Archer, Mills, and Imran Tahir. Which is not which is not a bad 
which is not a bad baseline <laughs> to work from. Also, with Ravi Vapara, I think he is at the back end of his career, but I, I think that you know, he can still fill a role. And also, I think, and this is my take, is I think Ravi Vapara would be a really good coach. I think with his, first with his success as a player, also his you know breadth of knowledge, he's playing in a lot of different leagues around the world, and also with his just cool manner. He is a guy who delivered in a lot of important moments for Essex over the years. You think of that run to the T20 Blast trophy in 2019. They do not get there without Ravi Bapak. No, and he was playing in a role that he didn't want to play at the start of the year no. and eventually caused him to move on. He and of course, to play bat- that role he, for Sussex. Um, he, wanted, he wanted to bat higher up the order um, and he ended up being talked into batting at six uh, as, as the finisher. And he did it superbly in a... In, okay, it was a very good Essex team, but in a in some tight games and against a they beat a very decent Worcestershire team in the final of that uh, mm. of that blast, uh, and uh, and he was a very very important part of that only only a couple of years ago. And again, having had a little bit of opportunity to hear him speak up close, you ask him any question about T Twenty, you ask him as a commentator what's going to happen next, and he's got a pretty good idea of what a team is trying to do next, and mm. that is a really really useful sounding board. For a captain, hmm. I think Ravi Bapara probably he obviously wanted to bat up the order. I think for for England chances, I, I do think that he kind of wanted to follow that Shane Watson mold almost of a guy at the top of the order who's coming to the end of his career who knows the game so well and can deliver clutch innings. It was Watson at that point? Late career T Twenty Watson was an incredible, just an incredible player. Yeah, I, I, I we covered the. Yeah, we cover a lot of IPL cricket on Gorilla Cricket, and the, yeah. the innings he played in the 2018 IPL final is one of the most brutal demolitions of an attack I've ever seen. And that was a good Sunrisers attack that he just took apart. I think that was the best T20 knock I've seen personally. I think you 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 obviously you look at the brutal Gale innings, but the brutal Gale innings was against Pune Warriors India. This was against a serious attack. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if Ravi quite would have done that at the top of the order, but, you know, he's a great role player now and I think he'd be a very good coach. And I think getting him in there is not a, not a bad thing for you. Uh, I want to race through these final four picks because I think they're kind of, they kind of all fit a central theme, basically. So I think it's worth going through now. Round 11, you've got Ed Bernard from Worcestershire. Round 12, going Dutch again, Colin Ackerman. Fantastic pick, obviously. Uh, round 13, Finn Hudson-Prentice. And round 14, Ben Rain. Now, um, I want to leave Colin Ackerman out of this because I think Colin Ackerman is a fantastic player. He's a He should start in the 100. Very good batter. Handy off spin. Just a fantastic cricketer. And I think that's a great coup for your side. And I think he'll fit what you want to do very well. I think that's a fantastic pick. The other three, obviously you're not left with a great deal of options. For me, they feel like a little bit bit party in terms of you're not quite sure if either of those three guys are going to quite offer enough with either bat or ball. Very talented cricketers, but maybe they're not the exact ideal backup seamer you want or the exact backup batter you want. They're guys who can fill a number of roles, but maybe just aren't haven't got that one you know, elite skill set that might help you win a match. So, so talk me through those picks. They're certainly not bad cricketers. Yeah, they are all um, potential players of, over the three of them, you have squad depth for each of the four, apart from being a, being a top order, being a, being a top order hitter. 
um, mm. certainly between Barnard, Hunter Prentice, and Ben Rain, um, you've got middle order hitting, seam bowling, and 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 kind of some and a middle order kind of um, an all round option kind of cover between those between those three players. Um, I, Ed Barnard's going to have a couple of really fantastic knocks every season, or maybe one um, knock that gets you out of a crisis every year, and that I'm very happy to. Uh, to accommodate that in in a round eleven or, or late pick, um, Colin Ackerman was frankly a player again who I was slightly surprised was still available. Um, I wanted another off spin option is is primarily what I was looking for, and then was looking up looking up and down lists as I was as we were doing the draft and uh, and a player of Colin Ackerman's um, run scoring ability and then and then he will occasionally take a bunch of wickets in clusters. He does have. Um, slightly bizarrely the best T20 blast bowling figures of all time but that maybe not be replicated but he's going to do a very decent job for you I was looking at this a little bit like um, a football manager picking an international squad not a not a club team but a, but a tournament squad where you want bench depth you want to be able to say bring up the look at your look at your bench and look at your squad depth and like if this player's injured I can slot in someone who can do this job Ideally, obviously, you'd have you know proven gun players up and down the lineup, but that doesn't happen in any in any franchise. And with the skills that I felt I needed filling or reinforcing, I think I've done I think I've done okay. Um, and 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 this was slightly based on actual performances in the in the hundred. Well, I think Finn Hanson Prentice is a player with it with a great potential ceiling i think he is a player who would have you'd have to work a little harder to define their role a little bit but with barnard in the in the lower middle order ben rain bowling as a uh, probably not at the top order but as a middle overs seamer and then and then colin ackerman coming in as the uh as the sort of somewhere in the top five and bowling uh and bowling sort of five to ten balls of offspin uh and innings and potentially doing a very decent job i think my bench is is decent it's not it it's by no means world class. Um, it's it's by no means um, looking at um, looking at it and say like that's a definite win and that's a definite uh, someone who can definitely fill that role of of a of a top order player of a top level player missing out. But I don't think that I've left myself too open in terms of any gaping skill uh, skill gaps. Um, barring an absurd injury crisis, I I mean, you stole Colin Ackerman off me. Actually, you took him two or three picks before. Charlie, I'd be interested to hear your take on this because I think while they are useful cricketers, I do I do what you see see what you mean, Knuckle. I almost think that if if I was in charge of the side, uh, I would have probably gone down the route of going and getting impact players to come off the bench. But those are two very different strategies and I'm not saying mine's right or yours is wrong Charlie what, what do you make of going for guys who can fill a variety of roles rather than maybe taking punts on impact players who could come in and you know really take a game away potentially interesting debate actually Nako your approach here reminds me a little bit of how England tend to approach their white ball squads for ICC tournaments whereas wherein you will see players like Liam Dawson who usually aren't in a reckoning for bilateral tournaments will suddenly come into the mix for those squads because when you only got 15 players to choose those bench players have to be versatile and have to be able to fill and cover for quite a lot of different players in different positions so you've kind of taken that approach and 
I don't know if it's the approach for me, personally speaking, but I completely see how valid approach it may be. My honest opinion with Barnard, Hudson Prentice and Rain picks is that I think maybe I would have gone for just one of those and then the other two picks I would have focused on, maybe a specialist bat and a specialist bowler. Just because I feel like having three players of that mould might be a bit much. I think they're doing quite similar things. They can all bat a bit and bowl a bit. But I'm not sure if you could quite call any of them a specialist bat or you'd want any of them to be one of your main five bowls. With that in mind, I maybe would have gone for just one of them, potentially Ben Rain, who had a pretty good 100 last season for Northern Superchargers, and then looked at someone like um, Specialist Bat, for example. I think Laurie Evans may well have been available at that point. So maybe I'd look at someone like him or Tom Moores, perhaps, um, and then look to sign a seamer or a spinner. But there is definitely merit to what you've done, and I completely see why you've done that. Your players will definitely add some value, I'm sure. And also what it does open up is the possibility of a Ben Rain renaissance at the top of the order. It's been a couple of years, Durham are wasting him. (laughs) Get him up there, Knuckle. I am fully behind it. Right then, Knuckle, talk us through your 11 for this side. What what are you going with provisionally? So Evan Lewis is definitely up the top of the order. I've got Phil Salt at the top of the order keeping alongside him. We talked earlier about the possibility of Munzee moving up the order in certain circumstances. I'd want to see a little bit more of Phil Salt as a finisher before I make that a definitive call, but that option is available to me. Uh, James Vince and Glenn Maxwell um, uh, coming in at, at, uh, at three and four makes sense. Again, more again more entry points possibly. Vince, if you lose an early wicket, Maxwell might come up the order a little bit if, if, uh, if Lewis and, and Salt come off to a great start. Um, and then you've got the, the middle order of uh, behind behind those two of, of Bapara and, and Critchley. Joffrey Archer, I think, is underused as a batter in T20 cricket uh, and as a hitter in T20 cricket, and he could certainly come up the uh, the order maybe batting above above Critchley. Um, the bowlers, Glover, Mills, and, and Imran Tahir, um, I, I don't think you're going to get too much with the bat from uh, from any of those, so I'm not, entire, I'm not all that bothered about which order they... Uh, they bat in, but with uh, with that top uh, eight ahead of them, I'm not expecting them to be particularly needed. But um, the only, in terms of a, a number on the card, Evan Lewis is probably the only one who is, I would say, set in 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 that order. Uh, and then it is condition specific between and opposition specific between Salt and Munsey. Vince and Maxwell will will rotate depending on entry points. Uh, Ravi Bapara, I'm having as a middle to death uh, player with Archer potentially above Critchley if quick runs are the uh, the order of the day, uh, or if there's a particularly um, particularly good start. Um, so it's more kind of bracket to play for me rather than a set one to eight. Before we get your thoughts on the side, um, and me and Charlie's, let's run you through what some of the general managers have said. Um, your side, I think, is pretty. Divisive, which isn't a bad thing. You've got, a, I think, I think a lot of people have seen some of your, you know, your high talent, the Maxwells, the Salts, the Lewis, Vince, Archer, Mills, to hear, and they love it. You've got quite a number of votes actually putting you in the top three. Um, and then you've got a couple slightly lower down. Some of the general manager's comments included, he's got some of the best high talent, um, but can the rest of the 11 keep up? Uh, one said that, with Archer Mills and to hear it's you know a fantastic 
bowling attack right there. They'll definitely compete. Uh, another focus on the batting, saying that you know that top five is incredibly powerful. Um, so, so it seems like you you were relative, you impressed some of the GMs um, pretty well. Um, my take on this before we go to Charlie is that I think your side's very top heavy. Uh, that's not a bad thing, but you have in the batting Salt, Lewis, Vince, Maxwell, Muncy. You know that's really good base right there. From that point on, Bapara, Critchley at six seven, maybe it's not quite the explosion you want down there. That's just something that you take when you have such a powerful top order. But I also think it's similar with the bowling. You have three gun guys and Archer, Mills, and Tahir. That's, you know, (laughs) 60 balls of elite deliveries, right? But then Brandon Glover, Matt Critchley, Glenn Maxwell, Ravi Bapara, maybe the the other 40 are a bit botched together. It's not quite the same quality as much as I like Maxwell. I think that might be an issue for you. The other thing is when Joffre Archer is either injured or on England duty, suddenly the bowling attack has got two elite guys, but maybe just 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 lacks a little bit of quality. And I, I would worry about that many deliveries coming from the gloves and the critchfees of the world. Um so I think I think this again, you've got the elite talent, and it's certainly a side that will win games. It's not you know, a deadly daredevil side, we look at them and they're done. You'll definitely win games. You definitely have a chance to go forward in the tournament. I just think there is a potential Achilles heel to your side that's fairly obvious. And every side has that, whether it's obvious or not. I just think that that might potentially come down to hurt you, although I think you've got some really elite talent there. Charlie, what do you make of it? I think the the top players you have there are really good and they're all match winners. So... Vince, Maxwell, Archer, Mills, Tahir. All of those players can win your game single-handedly on their day. That is quality. I do think, however, that maybe there's a bit of a gulf between those players and some of the more squad players. Uh, I think all it takes, as you alluded to, Ed, is a couple of those players to be injured or be called away for international duty or whatever. And suddenly, I feel like there's a bit of an issue that might arise. I also do slightly fear for potentially Critchley and Glover in this lineup, just because I feel like when you're frontline bowlers are Tahir, Mills, Archer. They're so good that anyone else, no matter who it is, is probably going to get targeted. Um, and I, I just worry for the younger guys like Pritchley and Glover that that might be a bit of a tall order for them. But I feel like no matter who that is, as I say, that that spot in life is going to be targeted. So you just have to kind of accept that and deal with it as much as you can. I definitely think that there is a lot of talent in this team. And I think it could go really far. I just wonder if some of the squad options maybe aren't quite to the level as your best players. And yeah, my biggest criticism for you is that you didn't find a space in your 11, Colin Ackerman. So we'll be having words about that, Knackle. But but I, I think in general, it seems like the kind of high variant side that you're after, a side that's great to watch, has elite talent and has all of the things and also suits the Aegeus Bowl well. So, so how happy were you with this draft? When you look at this side, how do you think it stacks up against the others? How happy are we with it? I am pretty happy with it. There's no one in there that I would say jumps out as not up to the level or not up to the kind of cricket I want to be playing. Um, there are a few top order options in some of the other, in some of the other franchises who I would, um, who I would see as a weaker link. I don't, see that in my uh in my top six um which may include Ackerman in some in some games if I want an off spinner um to, uh, frankly um he, he's potentially over level he could 
you know, he and Mundy may men men were splitting the season, but I've gone with Mundy initially. Um, I there, it's certainly true that it's there's more there's a, there's a higher percentage of gun batting deliveries than gun bowling deliveries. That's absolutely true. Mm. I was working on a sort of short blanket theory and decided to cover the top rather than the bottom, if that makes any sense. Yeah. As as a, as an analogy, um, I do. And I actually see it as a positive that your change bowlers are being targeted because everyone's desperate after trying to score off Archer and and Tahir and and Tamal Mills uh, for a little while. I think that actually f- can free bowlers up a little bit and can can give them wickets they might not otherwise get. Uh, mm. Frankly, particularly if Archer go is able to have anything like the start that he did in IPL 2020. I was looking at the numbers yesterday and it was unbelievable how well he did in IPL 2020 at the top of the order. Whoever comes on after him is bowling players who are gasping for runs. Uh, And on a big outfield like the Aegeus Bowl, I think that could play into my hands um, significantly. So there was definitely a conditions element to it in terms of trying to make the Aegeus Bowl a bit of a fortress um, Mm. there. And... I'm not, it's not 10 out of 10. It was never going to be, but I'm pretty happy that it's a solid seven and a half to eight out of 10. Mm. I think also in your own conditions, I think that the Aegeus Bowl is a place where you can front load your bowling and have weaker assets. I have watched Thacker Zaman bowl very tight spells of bowling at the Aegeus Bowl. It is not difficult to tie down batters on that pitch. So actually, if you have 40 deliveries of gun bowling, at minimum, if Archer's playing that 60, then you sneak through some Ackerman or or Glover or Critchley or whatever, and then you have such an explosive batting order that they can kill a game. You know, if you keep your the opposition to an average total of how good Archer and Mills are at the death, then, you know, you, you can go out and there's a very clear model on how you can win a game. What I also wanted to do is pick a side that can win batting or bowling first. I kind of mm. want the toss to be as much of a non-factor as possible, mm. uh, which I think I, I've got. Uh, yeah. Because this is easily a team that can score 200. Mm, uh, and it, batting first, and it's also a team that can easily chase down 180-200 um, if if someone gets hold of uh, of Mills or someone, or, or um, somebody takes down him around to here, for example. Finally, what have you learned from this? What, what do you think your big takeaways? What... Has this made you think about draft strategies in a different way? What have you learned from the process? Well, I think having an idea of how you want your team to play is, is important. You do see, sometimes uh, look at look at picks and you wonder, what, what was the idea here? What was the what was the underlying philosophy here? What was the what is the type of cricket you expect to play with these players? Um, and and you're left you're left scratching your head a little bit. Um, a, a team that fits together um, quite quite nicely. This is all very basic. Um, Stuff taking account of home conditions, which I know to slightly mitigate my or slightly um, um, caveat my criticism of some IPL teams. It's been difficult over the last few years. The um, we still don't know, for example, where this year's IPL is going to be played. Um, the where the twenty twenty one and twenty twenty IPL teams uh, were playing was completely different when they draft when they at the auction to when the tournament was actually played. So that is. Um, and that showed up maybe with Chennai Super Kings in 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 2020, for example. Um, 
that little bit of familiarity with with home conditions helps and there is there is value to be found in in overseas top order batters um simply because there are so many of them uh, there are so many top quality players that i think we might be getting into a into a circumstance where there's a bit of an english premium almost like the premier league uh, has where um where it's probably worth spending a little bit more on on a home top order batter particularly or a home um fast bowler if you're if you're picking from uh from from a, from the sort of the very top end and and saving a little bit and looking at some of the more, some some value picks you could pick up you could pick up as overseas top order batter in an ideal world i'd have had an overseas fast bowler in there but don't really need one um it would have been just a a, a kind of a bonus and i think that not you're not not getting sucked in completely to that kind of galactico idea uh help me a little bit so just, just having a little bit of clarity going into the auction or going into the draft or whatever it might be about the type of team that you want to that you want to set out and what kind of players can uh can fit into that uh, i don't think it needs to be without having the extra complication of an auction mechanism and without having uh access to for example the data that for example matt roller would have had going into this i i think that 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 kind of that simplicity of of approach and mindset um really helped in terms of in terms of learnings um spending maybe a little bit more time on drawing up shortlists of of potential bench players and um because i'll fully admit that i was kind of live researching as we were doing the draft for uh for some of those players and for some of those kind of holes and was kind of the, that was kind of changing as it as it went along so so maybe a little bit work, more work um going into the auction for for that but uh, this is the first time i've done a a draft in this way uh and it's the first type this type of exercise like this that i've been involved in and i'm very much looking forward to to being involved in some more and some more interesting um and some different types of auction and draft mechanisms because i think that will massively improve my understanding of and covering of cricket yeah and i think we all took something away from this i think we all try different things. And I think well, what the great thing I would say about this is if I were in charge of a 100 franchise, this was the first one I did. I mock draft against myself a couple of times just to see where I thought players might go. But I would have done this 10, 15 times before my actual draft. And I'm sure you thought at times, crap, should have picked that guy. Oh, he went a bit earlier. I thought, oh, actually I could have got him. Why did I do that? You would have 10 or 15 times of practicing these. And I think that's what's kind of cool about this. I think every team has a certain balance. There's none of these eight sides that I think are particularly awful. I think once you maybe go through the go through the ringer 10 or 15 more times, you'd be a much better general manager. So really interesting. Knackle, thank you so much for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, loved getting your insight. Your team would be incredibly fun to watch. And uh, yeah, just always appreciate your time, mate. Cheers, Ed. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Thank you very much for listening to the 100 Podcast Redraft Specials. Uh, we've got a load of other episodes out with the other general managers. So if you want to hear more from that, go to our feed and listen to the other episodes. Find us on Twitter at Podcast 100, where loads more details will be as well. And yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you.